0: Well, I uh, am excited to be here and saddened at the same time because this this means that it's coming to an end for the near future, my time here at Placerita. And I wanted to give you guys a quick update. Um, I am looking forward to going in the beginning of February. I was hoping to go by the end of January, but I had a visa appointment last week and the brazilian consulate asked for paperwork that i didn't have and so it will take me about a week and a half to get that paperwork and then i will go back to the consulate and say is this what you wanted and hopefully they will say yes and then i'll be going forward but uh, it is very exciting to be here this morning to uh, be heading off to brazil soon and i wanted to share this morning from First Thessalonians, that which is my desire for what happens in the churches in Brazil. That which is my desire for what happens at the churches everywhere and here at Placerita. And it's talking about the, the results of a gospel transformed life. How the Lord God in his love chose his people, transforms them makes them new, takes them from what they used to be to what He desires them to be. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let me pray for us, and um, then we'll look at our passage. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your grace, for Your mercy, for Your Scripture, for Your Word that is true. For your character which affirms. Which allows us to trust in everything that you say. That you will bring it to pass. Lord I pray that as we look at your scriptures this morning. That you would change us. That you would transform us. That you would make us more like your son. That we might honor You and glorify you in all that we do and all that we say and all that we think. Lord help us to apply this word this morning. We pray all of these things in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter one, and we're going to look at verses two through eight. But let me read verses one through. Eight for us right now. Actually, it'll be one through ten. But Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the churches of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So this is this is our passage this morning. And here there's there's so much that uh, God has that will impact our lives. But there's basic three. Headlines that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the thankfulness for gospel transformation. We're going to look at the cause of gospel transformation. And we're going to look at examples of gospel transformation. So it's the thankfulness of gospel transformation, the cause of gospel transformation. And if you guys are anything like me, you think about thankfulness and the cause, and you're like, can I get an example? Can I get a picture? And that'll be the third point, which is examples of gospel transformation that we might emulate and live like. So the first part is thankful for gospel transformation. Paul begins right here, and he says we give thanks to God always for all of you. We give thanks to God. He is sitting here and he's saying very simply, he knows the one who brought about this gospel transformation. It is God who brings about the gospel transformation. It is God who drives this. It is not our works. It is not our own effort. It is not our abilities. But it is the Lord God who chose this. And he says, I want to give thanks to him. Do we thank God for his work? Do we thank God when we remember how he has changed people? And then he talks about the next part and he says, making mentioning you in our prayers. When we're talking to God, it is praying. It is sitting there having a relationship, having a dialogue, praying to God, crying out to Him, asking Him to do His work, but also, specifically here, thanking God for the work that He's done, you know? As we go through, and Paul sits here and he says, I give thanks to God. And I'm mentioning you in our prayers. Why is he doing this? Because he's remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. What's driving this thankful prayer is the fact that Paul is remembering how the Thessalonians' lives have changed. For their work of faith, how they repented, how they turned from their sins to trust in Christ. You know, that was, we read that in verse 9. You know, he thanks them that they turned to God from the idols that they served. And then their labor of love, how they lived it out, how their life was actually truly transformed, how it was changed, how it was not just something done in word, but was put into practice. And then he thanks them for their steadfastness of hope, even though they received the gospel in affliction and hardships and trials and difficulties, that they knew that Christ was going to return. That they knew that Jesus Christ will be the one who delivers us from the wrath to come. That they are waiting for this, this steadfastness of hope. And so when we think about believers, when we think about Christians, when Paul is thinking about the Thessalonians who turn from idols, he says that drives me to prayer. That drives me to give God thanks. That drives me to remember everything that's been done because of God's great work. And so as we look at this first part, this thankfulness of God's of gospel transformation, we also need to acknowledge and to know that it is God who drives this. It is not our works. It is seen in verse 4 right here, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. This is a knowledge that is not just, okay, I I get it. I understand this. But this is something that really cuts to kind of the core. Do you understand? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has loved and chosen you? And you will know that without a shadow of a doubt if He truly has brought about the work of salvation in your life, there can be no other option. Your life will drastically change. It will be radically different. And you will be convinced that He is God and that there is no other. And so it is God's love that drives us forward. It's God's love that has chosen us. I think that it is Clearly talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So I'm going to start in verse 3 and say, Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. It is God's choosing, it is God's love that drives this choosing that transforms the believer, transforms people. And when we think of that, it should cause us to give thanks. It should not be something that drives hardship or difficulties but causes us to say thank you god for bringing about this gospel transformation thank you god for making me a new creature thank you god for changing me and so when we first think of this passage we need to think clearly and be thankful for gospel transformation The second part of this passage talks about the cause of gospel transformation. What drives the gospel transformation? What brings this about? What what is it? Is it something that is just word? Is it, oh man, I went down and I prayed a prayer and this is what I did. Is it something that is, oh, you know what? I heard this and my parents brought me to church every day from the time that I was a little kid. Until when I was 18, and then I left to go to college, and I didn't go. I didn't continue on in this. Is this what causes the gospel transformation? No. Right here in our passage, Paul says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. This is the gospel transformation. The gospel transformation comes from hearing the true gospel. Do you understand what the true gospel is? The results of the gospel transformation is literally that, is transformation. The results of hearing the gospel and responding by God's grace is transformation. This is what the Thessalonians did. They knew that they were sinners. They knew that they worshipped idols. They knew that they did not worship the true God. This is, and in verse 9 it says, and how they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Gospel transformation changes who we worship, but you need to understand the gospel. The gospel is fairly simple. Okay? The gospel begins with a holy, gracious God, with a God who is powerful and mighty and he says that the standard is holiness the standard is perfection he says in first peter chapter one verses 15 and 16 be holy for i am holy this is the standard that he calls us to and if all of us would be honest we think about that standard of holiness of perfection of sinlessness and we go i can't live up to that standard there is no way that i can live up to the standard that god has called me to but that's the beginning of the gospel it's going there's a holy god who knows everything who calls me to this standard and i can't live up to it i can't live up to his standard so that's the second part is man is sinful and he's fallen short of the standard of holiness of the standard of perfection that God has called him to. And as he falls short of that, there are consequences for that. When we sit here and we go, God's standard is perfect and holy and he is going to judge those who don't live up to that standard. And then I realize, God, I've fallen short of that standard. I can't live up to what you've called me to i can do nothing to save myself my best deeds it says in isaiah four sixty 6 are filthy rags are rubbish are good enough to be thrown away if that's the best that i can do how could i ever live up to this standard that god has set how could i ever live up to being holy how could i ever live up to being righteous There is no way. If you're like me, when the Lord opened my eyes to that, I realized I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it by reading my Bible more. I couldn't do it by coming to church. I couldn't do it by putting on this nice facade of being big biblical Ben, you know? (laughs) I, I couldn't do it by righteous living. I couldn't do it by working on myself. I couldn't do it by saying, okay, you guys, you got to live up to the standard, but I can't do it myself. There was no way that I could live up to that standard. There was no way that I lived up to that standard. And it was then. It was then that... God revealed in the Scriptures that there is only one way. If Jesus Christ, the very God-Man, did not come down, die on the cross, bear our sins, you know it says in Second Corinthians five twenty-one, He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God there is no other way there is no other hope but Christ coming down bearing my the consequences for my sins bearing my sins on the cross becoming sin that I might become the righteousness this is the gospel this is the hope this is the good news that God who is holy i could never be like and man who is sinful and fallen can be reconciled can be brought together god said i'm going to send my son jesus christ down to die on the cross to bear your sins that you might be saved this is what he did this is the gospel this is the transformation This is our hope. This is our greatest hope. Is that Christ what a Christ accomplished on the cross. And the call is to turn, to trust, to believe that Christ is the only way to be saved. Not to continue to work on your own, not to serve idols, not to serve your own lusts, your desires, your own pride not to work harder, but to trust in his completed work. And the scripture says, if you would turn, trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be saved. Turn, trust in him. But remember, it is only God's work. It's God's love that brings that about. We can't do it on our own. And the Thessalonians heard this gospel. Heard this message. Turned. Trusted. And followed Christ. And that's what brought about this transformation. So the gospel came not only in word. Which is the scriptures. This is what we preach. As Christians. If you have turn from your sins and trusted in Christ, and you're like, I don't know how to share with anybody. I don't know what to do. What should, what should I say? What could bring about transformation? What could bring about true repentance, turning? Well, it's the Word of God. If you turn like one page over and you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13... It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is the gospel. This is the word of God, which is at work in the believers. When we talk about evangelism, we talk about sharing the word. It's not hey, this is a great idea for me. But we need to share the Scriptures. We need to share the Gospel. If you look in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. I got scared for a second because I turned to Isaiah 56 and looked at verse 10, and that was not right. (laughs) Okay, But if we look at Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, it says... The scripture is going to accomplish his purpose, is going to succeed in that which he sent it for. So the cause of gospel transformation is the word of God coming in, impacting people's lives, causing them to change, causing them to hear that there is hope, that there is a savior for those who are fallen. But the gospel did not come merely in word, but it also came with power, It came with authority. It came with the ability to transform people. Remember Isaiah 55, 11. God's Word will accomplish that which He purposed for it to accomplish. It will not return void. It will not fail to complete its task. It is not like trying... For Brad Silverman to try and block me on the football field. That, that just doesn't happen. Okay, If you don't know Brad, he's, he's a shorter guy, okay? <laughs> and the gospel does not fail to accomplish that which it was set out to do. It comes with power. It comes with authority. If you look at Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. It is the power of God. It is going to come, and it is going to accomplish that which He purposed. The gospel came in word. The gospel came in power. If you think that that's enough, there's still more. The gospel came in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the gospel comes with word, with power, with the Holy Spirit. And this is part of our assurance. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. So that we might have our sins forgiven. So that we might be sealed. Know that we are saved. And so that we might be guided in all truth. If you look at Acts 2.38 with me. Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. So this is right in response to hearing... A great sermon and these people are cut to the heart and they're saying, what should I do? How should I respond? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once you turn, once you repent, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and when we receive it, it says in Ephesians 1.13 that when we heard the word of truth, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. This is our assurance. This is the guarantee of the redemption of those who were purchased by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. This is what the gospel is. This is the cause of gospel transformation is receiving the Holy Spirit but it comes with word, it comes with power, it comes with the Holy Spirit, but it also comes with full conviction. This is assurance. This is knowing for sure with absolute certainty that you are saved. When you repent, when you come, if you think about this, the gospel came in your life It came with power. It brought about change. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Would you not be sure of it? Would you not be convicted of transformation if you see your life change from one thing to another? This is part of what gospel transformation does in the in our lives than it did in the Thessalonians' life. The Thessalonians were assured of their salvation because the Word of God came and actively worked in their life. And they knew His transforming power. This is full assurance. If you want a couple verses on it, we don't quite have time to go into them, but Colossians 2.2, Hebrews 6. Eleven and twelve, having this full assurance of hope into the end, and Hebrews ten twenty two, so Colossians two two, Hebrews 6, 11 and twelve, and Hebrews ten twenty two, this is the cause of gospel transformation, is the word, is the power, is the Holy Spirit coming with full conviction, knowing that you are transformed, and this transformation does not just leave you in the same place. It doesn't keep you doing the same things that you used to do. Paul talks about this. And in verse 5, it says, And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul, who, before he was saved, was a persecutor of the church was literally going around and bringing people to be killed for believing in Jesus Christ. That's what he was doing before he turned, before he repented. And now, what does he do? He reminds them in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 7, he says, remember how I walked with the gospel transformed life. How I cared for you like a nursing mother caring for her own children. How Paul reminds them in 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 11 and 12. How he cared for them like a father. For you know how like a father with his children. We exhorted and encouraged you. Exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. To walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory this is paul setting an example and he's telling the believers that i loved you as a mother i cared for you i exhorted you as a father i showed you how to deal with affliction you know in verse two of chapter two but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at philippi as you know we had boldness in our god to declare to you the gospel of god in the midst of much conflict it was not easy for paul to be here to share the gospel but the results of a gospel transformed life says it doesn't matter what the conflict is it doesn't matter how hard it is it doesn't matter how difficult it is but you need to turn you need to trust in god who is the only hope for your salvation and Paul set this example for the believers in Thessalonian in Thessalonica he set this example and he did it in a very short period of time it was about 3 weeks that he was there he came in shared the gospel shared his life exhorted encouraged and then he left and these believers who were transformed by the gospel did not go oh that was too short that wasn't long enough for me to see your life. That wasn't long enough for me to, you know, have this example. No. In verse 6 of our passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, And how you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia." So after Paul had left, after Paul had walked out and given them this great example for three weeks, it was in the midst of trials. You know, some of the believers were found. They were punished. They were fined. They sent Paul, Savannah, and Timothy along. And what did they do? They close up shop? Did they say, no, it's it's too tough? No, they received... The example and they followed it they became an imitator and they shared the gospel in the midst of affliction in the midst of trials in the midst of hardships but when you look at the passage the Thessalonian example was how they not only dealt with the affliction but I love how it says with the joy of the Holy Spirit so in the midst of hardships in the midst of trials they were transformed by the gospel and they received the holy spirit and it brought them joy to walk through these things because they knew that they were imitating god they knew that they were imitating jesus christ and this is part of their example is having joy in the midst of trials It's having joy in the midst of hardships is continuing to share the gospel because it says And they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Ikea. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Ikea, but it went forth everywhere. So they went and became an example of dealing with hardships, dealing with trials, dealing with sorrows, dealing with saying goodbyes, which is one of the things that I'm going to have to say soon. But they became an example. And they continued to share the gospel. They continued to... Share the word of God. So that all of those in Macedonia and All of those in their region. Not just their city. But their entire region. And even the entire world. Heard. Of the transformation. They heard. Of God's grace. In the lives of the Thessalonians. And how they are the ones. Who went forth. And planted churches. And how they're the ones who went and continued to give glory to God. So, when we think about this, just taking a step back from the Word, we see a thankfulness for gospel transformation. When we see the act of God and how He brings about a transformed life, it causes us to give thanks how we can see the cause of gospel transformation, how it came with word, with power, with the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, and how it brought about this transformation. And then we see a couple examples, not only in the life of Paul, but also in the life of the Thessalonians. This this is my prayer, guys, for going down to Brazil. This is my prayer, that there would be churches down there That it would be made up of believers who receive the gospel, who turn from idols to serve the living and true God, who go and reach their neighborhood, their region. They reach not only Porto Alegre, but they reach the state of Santa Cruz. They reach their region, the country of Uruguay just to the south. And that the whole world would hear of the gospel as it comes from South Brazil. That's, that's my prayer. But as we think of this, that's far away from you guys here. My question is do you do you think about those who've been transformed by the gospel? Do you pray for those who have been transformed by the gospel? When you think about them, do you think about their work of faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness of hope? Does it cause you to pray for them? Does it cause you to give thanks for what God has done? Secondly, does your life reflect having been transformed by the gospel? Do you live a life that is different and changed with hope? Do you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you? Do you have, have you seen the power of God bring about changes in your life and turning from serving idols to serving the living and true God? Does your life reflect that? If it doesn't, cry out to God. Cry to Him, plead with Him. Change me. Then the third question is, are you making disciples? Are you being an example for others that they would see a gospel transformed life and that they would be pointed towards who God is and who Christ is by your life and by your words and by your interaction with them? So let me pray for us, and we'll come to a close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. How it is true for your gospel, how it is sure and can bring about salvation, Lord. I pray, God, that you would do your work in each and every one of our lives, that we would reflect you more, that we would become more like Jesus, and we would turn from our idols to serve the living and true God, and that we would be an example to others and call others to do likewise i pray heavenly father that you would return soon and we look forward to that day with great hope and expectations but till you come help us to be faithful to imitate you and to follow what you have said in your scriptures we pray all these things in the name of the lord jesus christ amen